If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On episode 47 of Confessions of a Marketer, we're going to hack your marketing. Mark Reed Edwards here, back for another episode. This time it's Taylor Ryan, CMO of Valuer, and we're going to talk growth hacking. We'll get into that chat in just a moment. Coming soon, we'll have Alex Withers back with us to talk about in-house creative management and the survey his firm In Motion Now recently released. Next time, we kick off a couple of episodes with John Chang of IBM Watson Marketing about the 2019 Marketing Trends Report. And I just recorded my chat with Beth Monahan of Ink House about fear and the future of PR. You'll want to hear that in a few weeks. Lots more in store, so stay tuned. Also, we have a hub of activity over at my other venture, the innovation podcast, the iPod, we like to call it, with Garnett Harriman. Lots of stuff happening there. Head over to theinnovationpodcast.co to tune in. Okay, so growth hacking. It's one of those terms that people just toss about. I dig into it with Taylor Ryan. Taylor joined me all the way from Copenhagen, where he's hacked himself to success as CMO of Valuer, a firm that matches startups with corporations, accelerators, and investors. It was a great chat. Let's get to it. Taylor Ryan, welcome to Confessions of a Marketer. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, growth hacking, there's a term that we all hear, and it's one of those phrases that kind of came into being and almost immediately lost meaning because everybody was using it. So what do you define as growth hacking? I think growth hacking takes the the cake in terms of buzzwords that everybody loves to throw around. You know, especially within the marketing world, it's it's a fun phrase to make you sound more technical than you really are. For me, growth hacking is reducing work. It's it's minimizing processes and output in order to have the maximum results. So basically, what is the least amount that I can do in a, a more scientific way in order to have the maximized result? So how can a marketer take advantage of growth hacking techniques? What's the secret here? I've always told my team, is there any way to do this from a a one-to-one approach to a one-to-fifty approach? So rather than, let's just take an example like reaching out to people, rather than finding a connection on LinkedIn one at a time and then adding them and then putting in a message manually, is there a tool that we could automate that? And the answer is yes. 
So tools like DuckSoup or GPZ tools allow you to add upwards of 200 people per day with customized outreach and a follow-up. So what makes more sense? Having somebody sit at a desk for an entire day, clicking on all the same areas of a screen just to get 50 connections or taking 20 minutes to set something up using an automated tool and then hitting 200 people before lunch. That's interesting. So, so is that like LinkedIn and connections like that? What areas are, are you talking about? Yeah. So the tools that I mentioned, uh, ducks, D U X dash soup, S O U P and G P Z tools are both tools that you can use for LinkedIn. If you're trying to target a specific group of people and add those connections without manually having to go through and search and you know, basically spend all this time going through individual profiles. Both of them are really fantastic tools. And, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to get a lot more done when you have all of that at your fingertips. What's the LinkedIn landscape like? I've had a couple of people complain to me, people who are friends of mine who I, I sent messages to on LinkedIn, who replied, you know, I don't even look at my LinkedIn Messenger account anymore because it's just bombarded with spam. What's your sense of what's going on on LinkedIn? I agree. So that's funny. I <laughs> I have a handful of uh, fake LinkedIn accounts that I've, I've kind of picked up over the years to be able to test out different tools like the aforementioned DuckSoup and GPZ tools. So one of them is named after my brother and my favorite sandwich. Uh, so Mr. Reuben, that's a good one. <laughs> Mr. Reuben gets, uh, about 10 connections a day because he is a, uh, I believe he's a CEO right now and he has about 30 years of experience within the construction industry as well as kind of doing a lot of project management stuff. He is consistently getting just these in-mail messages nonstop. So in terms of, of actually having a quality experience on that platform, I think you have a lot of C-level execs or, or just people that are further along in their career that get overwhelmed with being inundated with messages. And unfortunately, I don't see, I don't see an easy workaround in shielding yourself from being inundated or <laughs> driving people away other than to put out less information. And I don't know if that's the best answer, but it does show that you are able to be discovered. It's just you're not getting discovered by the people that you want to find you. Yeah, yeah. It it it, it kind of started as, you know, a community where that was safe, right? That you wouldn't get spam in. And it seems to me that at least in the last year or two, that has really been flushed down the toilet. It seems like... It's just you're inundated with with material like that. I am every day. I agree. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed within the last, uh, well, it's, it's three to six months, closer to three months, is when you're managing a page, like let's say your, your company's page, and you're putting out, let's say, social media material or links to your post, sorry, links to your blog post, content in general, the impressions or the amount of people that you reached has significantly dropped off. Yeah. And the reality is LinkedIn wants you to pay to reach more people. 
this is obviously, it's not a free platform to them. This is what they make their money off of. So not only are you reaching less people, but they're also giving people the ability to target you specifically for ads and for direct messaging because they want to make money. Sure. So it, it's, it's a shift in the way that they look at what is a, a social media platform because they want not only people to stay there longer, but they want to make people pay for super targeted campaigns. So, you know, who loses out on this? I think the marketers kind of win because we're able to, to really get some serious targeting done. But I think the user experience overall is starting to, to kind of tip off. And I, I think a lot of marketers are the first to notice this. But obviously, I think everybody's affected when you're selling out to the man, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and not that it was ever a pure platform, <laughs> you know, it had advertising at, at its core, right? When it started, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whenever it was. But it just seems to have kind of descended into a kind of morass of, of spam in, in recent times. I agree. I, I, I don't know if that means that in three to five years time, there'll be something else that takes its place. But I, I do agree at, at what point is there is there kind of this pendulum swinging back the other direction as to serve me up something that makes me understand why I'm still on here, gives me value, rather than feeling like either I'm inundated with messages from recruiters or people that are selling me something. I, I don't know. I, I think it's a really interesting observation on your part in, in terms of this platform has turned into a noise machine as opposed to an experience, you know? If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalit.org today. Yeah, I wonder whether there will be a Snapchat for business, kind of, uh, uh, you know, how Snapchat has kind of taken on Facebook by doing something completely different although similar, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I wonder whether there'll be a LinkedIn competitor that's similar to Snapchat. It's a great concept. I, Maybe we could create it. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of out of the game of uh, social media platforms, but I will watch from afar and shake your hand at the top. <laughs> so uh, let's get back to growth hacking. Any real-world examples you can point to that my listeners would find valuable in the growth hacking arena? Sure. I think it really depends on, on the, the practical value that you want to get out of it. And it also depends on, you know, I, I always say, do you have flexible morals sometimes? You know, <laughs> you'd be surprised. You know, there are opportunities to be able to exploit information online. So let's take, for example, uh, have you heard of sites like Captera or Software Advice? Yeah. You've heard of these rating websites that allow you to look at the ratings of certain pieces of, of software, right? Sure, sure. Great. So the idea is that many of these actually allow people to publicly acknowledge the type of software that they're reviewing. So the idea is if I know I can generate something in the way of an email off of a first name, last name, and company name, I can find that company email pretty easily. So the idea is I can essentially develop either a custom script using MongoDB or Python to basically crawl the page and say, give me first name, last name of every person that has reviewed a competitor's product. 
or use Web Scraper IO to do the same thing or Octoparse. The idea is now I have first name, last name, and company name of all the people that have either given a positive review or a negative review of the company. Right. I can enrich the data in order to get an email address. And then I send out two different types of emails. One is, hey, I saw that you gave whatever the name of my competitor is a really great review. I, I think we actually have some features that you might be interested in and some better pricing models in order to get you over to our side because by God, if you're into these guys, you're going to really love us. Yeah. So there's one way. Or, hey, you had a bad experience. You should be talking to us. We are going to give you a better experience. And by the way, here's a discount for coming on board. So the idea is because these people reviewed something, now I'm able to chase after them and go, let's give you the opportunity to do business with me. Yeah. There's a few different tools in there, but wow, it has an effect. It, it sounds like it just comes down to being resourceful. Right. I think so. Yeah. I think you just have to take a look at a situation and say, what is the easiest way and the kind of the laziest way to not have to get out of my chair to go do something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about your firm, Valuer. What, what do you guys do? So Valuer connects startups with large corporations. The idea is that uh, we're trying to replace kind of the startup analysts within large corporations. And, and this person's role was always just to go out to a ton of events and grab as many business cards and meet as many people as possible. And at the end of the day, run up to either the chief innovation officer or the chief technology officer and say, hey, there's three startups of all the startups that I met this weekend at this giant startup event that could really move the needle for us. And we can work with either in a collaboration sense or who knows, maybe even a merger and acquisition. You never know. Right. I want to replace that guy because he's doing the one-for-one -one approach. And if I'm able to potentially gather as much information as there is in existence online for startups that are out there and then run it through a machine learning platform like Valuer, I can predict which startups in which industry have the highest propensity for investment and success. And to corporations and investors and accelerators, that's incredibly valuable and lucrative. Interesting. So any, any words of advice for marketers in 2019? And, you know, are there any trends you're watching and which ones maybe we should all watch as the year progresses? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just talking with my team about this last week. I'm, I'm incredibly bitter at the algorithm change that's taken place on not only LinkedIn, but also Facebook. If you're again, in charge of a page, either for a business or uh, I don't know, for something that's kind of a hobby type thing. If it is a page, not a group, you'll notice that the amount of reach that you had a year ago, two years ago is leaps and bounds better than what it is today. Basically, they both platforms have turned the volume completely down. So the idea is that they're trying to get you to pay for it. So right. the alternative to doing that is either to have to pay for it or to start developing groups that are kind of inside of the niche that you're, you're focused on, provide value, and eventually try to funnel people back to either your page or your website. But the reality is... You're not going to be getting a lot of traffic, a lot of impressions, a lot of engagement in general off of pages anymore. And it's it's incredibly upsetting because a lot of people are putting a fair amount of time into social media and they're not seeing the results. Yeah. 
I had a chat with someone the other day, and I came to the conclusion that SEO is kind of dead. <laughs> because, you know, Google owns it, right? Google owns all the algorithms behind their their search technology, and they change them, you know, on, on a whim. Yep. And anticipating that and figuring that out seems to be impossible for some people. Obviously, you know, page views and all that and in-links and out-links, whatever, whatever they call them, are really important. But Google wants you to buy ads. So it's in their interest to kind of hide the, the dark arts that they use to create their, their searches. And, and what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I think there's so, there's so much to unpack there. But one of the things that I've always used as kind of a, a metaphor or an analogy is it's an arms race. And the idea is that you kind of have this racing of, of marketers that are trying to keep up with the changes that, that are made by the powers that be over at Google. And so, you know, not too long ago, we're talking a couple of years ago, Google comes up with the idea of basically saying, look, if your page is not mobile friendly within the, I think it was August of 2017, we're basically going to, to crush you in search engine results pages. And you're now seeing this change more recently of intent-based searching. What is the intention of the user when they type in, I don't know, uh, innovation within corporations? Is it to be informed? Is it transactional? Is this uh, something that I'm trying to understand from a video standpoint, a guide? Sure. These are all the, the, the different ways that you have to look at content now. And uh, I kind of like that aspect of it, but I hate the, the situation as you described where it's like, man, how am I supposed to keep <laughs> up with all these, these new things that, you know, yesterday didn't matter. And today it's, it's carved in granite, you know, yeah. it's so challenging. And I think that's part of the fun is keeping up with this and, and understanding like, okay, you're looking at it from now a completely different angle, but I don't think anybody necessarily has a perfect formula for getting everything right. All you can do is try to continue to get better day by day. And I, I, I do think you can increase your chances of success, even with a very rudimentary understanding of this stuff. And some people luck out. But man, it's, it's a grind to, to continue to keep up with these changes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as, a, as someone who's done a lot of writing over my career, early days of the mm -hmm. web, the idea was to write really short content, you know, three, four hundred words. And then a few years ago, Suddenly, you've got to write long content because authoritative content was really important. And that was just a sudden change, you know. So trends like that are really kind of hard to get your arms around because, you know, you adjust to one way of doing things and then suddenly it's, it's a different way. But I, I guess good content is good content. That's what I've always thought. I agree. I've consistently had uh, a lot of conversations and I've also spoke about this topic at a lot of different events about this long form thing. And it does boil down to what is considered to be engaging content. The idea is that if you cover a topic in deep enough detail, there must be something at least remotely interesting about it for it to at least continue to rise to the top. The idea is that if I'm searching for something, I want to fully understand it and not get maybe a paragraph and a half of kind of a, an overview. And I also think we're changing the way that we search. 
you know, when you were looking up, let's say I wanted to buy a pair of jeans, I think 10 years ago, I probably would have just typed in jeans and then yeah. tried to see what came up. Now you can type in bootcut jeans, size 32, waist 30, length sold in my area at uh, under $24. And all of a sudden stuff comes up and it's accurate. You know, that's the crazy part. So I think we're searching differently. And I also think that the way that we're covering stuff as a society as a whole is much more differently because people want to know stuff. I think people are okay with nerding out now yeah. as opposed to getting just like a little overview. So yeah, you're right. The the stuff has changed in terms of like you could you could get away with these shorter pieces, but the long stuff feels better. It works better. I don't know. And it definitely ranks better for sure. Well, and it's harder to pack with meaningless um, SEO words, right? Yeah. Well, I always joke the early days of SEO. If you, let's say, wanted to rank for coffee cup, you could just copy and paste the word coffee cup a thousand times onto your page. And that would be number one's, you know, the number one on Google. It was basically, hey, they have coffee cup a thousand times. This must be the most relevant, you know, (laughs) keyword density. It was the way to go. And that was 15, 20 years ago. Now, you know, obviously, you have to be more clever to get up top. It's it's fun and it's also incredibly frustrating. <laughs> the story of my career, fun but incredibly <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> That's a good name for a book right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's all going in the memoir, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Taylor. This was This was a really fun chat. I really appreciate you joining me. Well, I, I hope I'm able to provide value where I can. And um, yeah, I, I, I dig this stuff. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to kind of jump on with me and, and hear me kind of ramble about content and, and all the <laughs> other SEO things that we touch. So thank you for having me. Thanks to Taylor for being here. Next time, we've got John Chang of IBM in to chat about the 2019 Marketing Trends Report from IBM Watson Marketing. A must-listen, so stay tuned. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc., and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You stay home for the greater good. Secondhand smoke doesn't. It drifts through cracks in walls, air vents, and sink drains spreading toxic chemicals that can damage lungs. Secondhand vape also puts your lungs at risk, even with the fruity smells. Protect yourself and the people around you from these secondhand dangers. Learn how at tobaccofreeca.com.